The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. The good life, which means it's always good weather, right? When you open up the weather app, like I do, the good life means it's gonna be sunny and 82 degrees every day. Am I the only one like, I mean, that means I can go out and I can enjoy the hammock, I can enjoy the sun, I can enjoy the beach, wherever you're, you go to enjoy the beach. Um, and, and right, like that's the good life. And if and when you open up the weather app and it's not good news, then you're frustrated because it's robbing you of the good life and now it's raining on your parade. Am I right? And then you get frustrated because it wrecked your plans and you're like, come on. And uh, if that's ever happened to you, you know exactly what I mean. Maybe you're planning a picnic. Maybe you're planning a hiking trip. Maybe you're planning a beach trip. Maybe you're planning on having a bunch of friends or whatever it was. And it rained and it rained on your parade and you're frustrated and you made the best of it, but it was kind of raining on the good life. And, and it's interesting. So I'm having a little fun with this, right? But the, the challenge is we take a lot of information the same way. And so we're inundated in a world filled with bad news, like getting a bad weather forecast. We get bad news on a regular basis. And for some reason, bad news sells. And, and so there's, we're constantly getting pumped bad news. And so we, we get this and here's what we do. In fact, uh, recent research suggests that there are people seeking therapy, a lot of therapy, simply because they're overwhelmed by the bad news they're hearing on the news. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you're kind of like flipping out because you're constantly reading bad news and you're hearing all kinds of craziness and you're worried about this country and you're worried about that country and you're worried about this in the economy and, and you're having like anxiety and so you're like, I need to get help for somebody to calm me down because I'm constantly getting worked up and worried about all of this bad news that's ruining my good life. And then there's another study that suggests that there's an increasing number of people that are just turning off the news. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, exactly. That's what we should do. And I, but I fear that that's a little bit of the denial approach, right? Like they're just sticking their heads in the sand and the world's burning around them. And they're like, everything's fine. I'm just going to enjoy the good life. And so I kind of wonder, like, is there some place in between those where you don't have to stick your head in the sand, but you don't have to live constantly in panic and anxiety because of all the news you're getting, especially right now, when you're not really quite sure what news is true or false, right? Like we live in kind of a culture of fake news. In fact, uh, Facebook spent a significant amount of money trying to teach their billions of subscribers or billions of people on Facebook how to detect fake news. And so now it creates this really weird complexity where we're not even sure what's true or false, what's good news or bad news, what's real and what's an illusion. And that's complicated. That gets a little confusing. In fact, um, here, here's what happens. Because we're getting pumped with bad news and we're not sure if it's real or fake, we're kind of dependent on those who are telling us the news. It's as if they're holding up a light saying, I know the truth 
follow me. And so we just kind of blindly follow those that are pumping us with fear and panic. And so in the middle of that, where do we go? How do we know what's true? How do we know what's truth? And so that's a little bit of a deeper question. I wanna push in right there because that, that's kind of where we're in this series. We're talking through a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a pastor named Titus. Titus uh, is pastoring a small growing church on the island of Crete. And if you've been with us, then you already know a little bit of background. But for those of you that haven't been with us for a little while, let me give you the background to the island of Crete. This, this island nation is a mess. All right, now some of you, when I start telling you about it, you're like, that's my kind of place. I mean, it's full of pirates. So if any of you have young people, you're thrilled. Your, your son's like, yeah, I want to go to Crete. No, but I mean like real pirates. That like, you know, they're not just like, ah. I mean, they really murder and pillage and destroy and take advantage of others. But the island is also full of people who, it, it, this is what the uh, historians say, people who stay drunk all the time. And they're constant liars. Now, it's kind of a tough nation, kind of a tough group of people, a, a little bit of a difficult group of people to start a church in. And so the Apostle Paul goes with Titus to the island of Crete. They start a church. And then Paul is like, good luck. I'm going to keep starting churches. Then later, he kind of, I'm, I'm kind of kidding that he kind of feels bad, but he feels like he needs to help Titus as he begins to pastor this church. And so he writes him this letter. So you, you're thinking about it, right? He's writing a letter to a brand new pastor who's starting a brand new church on an island filled with drunkards, liars, and pirates. And as a result of this, you have a, a, an island nation of people that are trapped in, I mean, literally in that time, trapped in fake news, in bad news, in controversy. And here's what was happening. There was controversies tearing the nation apart tearing communities apart, and those controversies were getting into the church, and it was starting to tear the church apart. And so Paul writes this letter on how to deal with these kind of issues. Hopefully I've got your attention, because now I want to take what Paul's writing and apply it to our lives. So let's jump in and look at this. It's found, we're going to read in the letter of Titus, written by Paul, chapter 1, verse 10. And this one's gonna start off with a punch. So because this is part three of this series, we've already kind of set this up. So I'm just gonna jump right in. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced. You kind of get where Paul's coming from here? All right, he continues. He goes, because they are disrupting the whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. In fact, he said, one of Crete's own prophets has said it this way. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And then he goes like this. He, I, I didn't put it up here, but he concludes it by saying, and I'm telling you, that saying is true. And he's kind of just making a pretty, pretty strong point here. He's like, let me be really clear. This, what he's saying, it's right on the money. You, you live in an, in an island full of lazy gluttons, people that are always lying, always drunk, always doing wrong things, and they're evil brutes. And uh, so, so Paul's applying it to a local church, and he says this, look, 
the issues swirling around you, you're not sure what's true, you're not sure what's false, you're not sure what, what's right or wrong. It, it's made its way into the church and now there are people in the church that are using their position, their teaching opportunities, and they're abusing and taking advantage of people. And they're doing it for their own gain. So he goes, be careful. And he's writing to Titus, and he goes, you have to warn them. You have to challenge them. Help people listen that there are others in their life that are looking to take advantage of them. And they don't even realize it. Stand up to them and warn them. And, and so now, I'm gonna, let, me, let me bring this up to 2018, up to our culture and our generation. We live in an era where there are all kinds of controversies. I don't know if you've noticed this. There's some issues kind of swirling in our nation. For those of you that have turned off all the news, I, I mean, we could go down a list of countries that we're having issues with, countries like North Korea, Iran, uh, you know, Syria, Libya, I don't know, just gonna name a few. Uh, we're kind of in a, maybe a tariff war with China, and uh, we're, we're now negotiating with Mexico and Canada, and I mean, it's an endless stream. All right, and, and then we have some issues of controversy around uh, border walls and immigration. And let me see, some of you are like, please, Patrick, don't say any more. Um, we have national po politics, uh, political issues around abortion, around same-sex marriage, um, around transgender issues. And so now you're getting uncomfortable. And if you are, then I've, then I've got you right where I want you, meaning good. Because now you know that there is a group of people that are trying to tell you one side of the story and convince you they're right and everyone else is wrong and you should listen to and follow them. And, and it puts um, you in a very unique place, very similar to the people that Paul was writing to. Because you go, well, who do I listen to? What's true? What's truth? And then here's where the church comes in. And it was similar in this time on the island of Crete. The church was getting used, became like a lobbying group. One group of people crept into the church and were using it and manipulating people to listen to them to get their way and to get their gain. So Paul was writing, be careful, because there are people among you, let's just call them um, wolves in sheep's clothes, and you don't realize how dangerous they are, but they want to use and manipulate you for their own advancement and their own agenda. They have something to profit from you believing that they have the truth and they're right. And, and so I'm gonna use this as a little bit of an opportunity. I rarely do this, but a little bit of a rant. And I actually put this in my notes when I was writing it. I'm, a, I'm gonna rant for a moment. I, this is because I have a real personal concern and so often the church becomes known more for what we're against than what we're for. And, and so often the church has lost its voice into the white noise of cultural issues. So much so that we have no voice on any issues and people believe that we've just become a part of a political lobbying group. 
And yet the church was never meant to be a political lobbying group. The church was meant to rise above politics, rise above the economy, rise above the crisis and the controversies in the communities and cities we live in and be a voice of something greater and bigger and stronger and more powerful. And so what did Paul challenge? I read that passage and it sounds like a kind of a punch, but let me, let me give you the principle behind that punch. And, and so if I were to kind of summarize it for you, here's what Paul was saying. And he's saying, for every person of faith, for every church that kind of relates to the island of Crete and the pastor Titus, principle that we can apply to every one of our lives is this, in a world of controversy, where it's hard to kind of put your finger on what's true and what's false, what's real and what's fake, he said, here's the key, and I, I, so I'm going to put it up on the screen, it's this, it's that we, we don't just know good news, the good life is living in the good news. The good life is living in in the good news. Now this isn't sticking your head in the sand, pretending that there is not bad news. This isn't just knowing good news. This is living in the reality that your life is anchored in the good news. So imagine you're on the beach and the waves of bad news come crashing into your good life sandcastle. Where do you retreat to find stability and security and regain the good life. What the Apostle Paul was writing and what I'm trying to summarize is simply this, where you go to gain the good life is living in the good news. And the challenge is this, so often we get our legs kicked out from underneath us, let's say by a wave, our, 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 our sandcastle kind of life comes crumbling down because we've built our life on something other than the truth. And our legs are standing on the sands of life that are so shallow and easily taken out from underneath us. Why? Because you and I have built our life on what biblical authors in Jesus referred to as sin. Sin is a drive inside of every one of us to reject God and go our own direction, to build our lives on our own ideas. Listen to me to build our, eyes, our, our lives on our own beliefs, our own understanding of what's true and false. So we've made ourselves the judge and the jury of what's good or bad, right or wrong, true and false, and then we build our lives anchored on our own ideas, our own desires. So we reject God, we go off and we build our life however we choose, and as a result, we build our lives on sin. And those, sin, those sands of sin come out, they, they come out from underneath us and they leave us devastated and ruined. In fact, that's the consequence of sin. It wrecks our lives. When we pursue those desires, they ruin us. They sabotage our best intentions. They wreck relationships and they leave our life course on a trajectory toward eternal judgment. In fact, that's the bad news. And, so the Apostle Paul, he's writing in his letter, and, and his next statement is this. So let me just read to you in verse 13. He says, therefore, so in light of what he just said, he said, in light of the fact that there are people who are deceptive and manipulative, they're evil brutes who are lying and cheating, here's what I want you to know. He's, this is his warning. He goes, therefore, rebuke them sharply, 
so they will be sound in the faith. And here's what he's saying. Give them the bad news so that they can live in the good news. Let me illustrate this. So, you know, it's summertime, so I'm doing what we all should do, which is barbecuing. And uh, my, my three-year-old, he, he's my shadow. He doesn't want to go. He'll, in fact, he'll throw a fit and cry if he can't come with me. And so we tell him, you know, try to teach him, like, you can't cry and always get your way. But anyway, so the other day he was outside with me, and I'm grilling. And he's three, and there's fire. This is like the greatest thing in the world. There's food and there's fire, which means you have to touch it. And so what does daddy do? Guys, go back to that, that, that verse real quick, verse 13. He says, therefore rebuke them sharply so they will be sound in their faith. It, let, let me phrase it this way for any parent who's got a three-year-old with a barbecue grill. Um, correct them harshly or strongly so that they can have a burn-free life. You with me so far? Okay, so, Daniel, don't do that. And uh, don't touch the grill. It will burn you. And if you don't listen to me, you're going to get burned. Okay, so here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He goes, warn people of the bad news. And don't, don't sugarcoat it. Don't pretend that this isn't going to hurt them. Don't be like, eh, if, you, if you touch the grill, you're going to be uncomfortable. No, if you touch the grill, you're going to get burned. And I don't want to have to take a trip to the ER. This is going to wreck my good life. Just don't touch the grill. Okay? The Apostle Paul is not, he's, he's not trying to be like um, soft about this. He's saying strongly warn people that there is a way of life that will destroy you. And there are people that want to lead you into a life that will destroy you. And there are people even in the church that will trick you and manipulate you and use you for their own gain. So he says, rebuke them strongly. Rebuke them clearly. Rebuke them sharply. Now this is tough. Like even for me to talk about this makes me uncomfortable. But let me, let me be clear. The bad news is that every one of us have sin in our lives, every one of us. So that means we've gotta be a little bit skeptical of every person. Patrick has sin in his life. You have sin in your life. And as a result, because we have this propensity or this drive to build our lives on sin, just like the Cretans were doing, we have to approach people with a little bit of healthy skepticism saying, is sin driving them? So the bad news is that every one of us have built our life on sin. But he said this, he goes, rebuke them sharply so that you strengthen, you build them up in sound faith. So they don't touch the grill and they have a good life that is burn free. I want you to have a good life that is burn free. You see that little play on words there? You like that? <laughs> Some of you are going to chuckle. Um, he goes, here's the good news. The good news, the sound faith is that Jesus Christ came into this world to rescue us. To, to protect us from this life that was going to lead to a forever burn. But let me warn you, be very clear. Just because someone comes into the church or teaches a class or writes a book or makes a movie or tells you they're a Christian, it doesn't mean they're good and right. And it's my responsibility as a pastor to say, hey, let's read this letter 
of Titus where Paul is saying, be careful because there are people among us. And, and, and I'm not just saying, like, it's not just like, oh, no, life has. I mean, among the church, among the church of the nation, among the church globally, there are people that want to use and abuse you. They want you to buy their books or listen to what they say. or They, they want you to become dependent on their teaching, and they're doing it for their own gain. And so the apostle Paul says, be careful. And so I just wanted to, as your pastor, to caution you and say, be careful. Don't just assume that every person that says they're a Christian is a Christian. Now, you know that. But boy, isn't it interesting that the moment they write a book or they get on TV or they start becoming well-known, we just kind of drink everything they say like drinking Kool-Aid. So I'm going to caution you. So how do you discern? Apostle Paul is saying, be careful of people who are deceptive, who are manipulative, who are uh, lying. And so I'm going to give you a simple baseline. First, I would say this, is what they're teaching based on God's word? Is it biblical? Is it based on scripture? Not just a scripture, but is it consistent with scripture? Now, that's going to be challenging for some of you because maybe you don't spend a lot of time reading the Bible. So I want to challenge you. If you're going to listen to someone who's teaching the Bible, then you have to go to the Bible and you have to make sure that what they're saying is consistent with what God's saying in his word. All right. The second thing is, are they living what they teach? Does their life match what they're saying? So are they challenging you to be generous and yet they're living greedy? Are they challenging you to serve others and yet they're asking everyone to serve them? And then a third litmus test you could use is, is their teaching producing good change in other people's lives? How do people that are living out the teaching of those who are speaking, how are their lives being changed? Is it for the better or for the worse? Are, are we seeing people's lives radically change? And so I just gave you three quick, easy ones that's certainly not exhaustive or thorough. But let me, let me dive in because I wanna give you a very clear challenge. The Apostle Paul also wrote a letter to another pastor named Timothy. And he's writing a very similar challenge. And so I want to kind of unpack uh, these verses from his first letter to Timothy, who's pastoring in Ephesus, because it's very similar to what he wrote to Titus. And so let me just jump in and read this to you. He says, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that teach to other doctrine, uh, teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. So what he's saying is this, there are people that come in, they stir up controversy, they get people to argue and debate, but it doesn't accomplish anything. It's one of the challenges I see within Christianity is that there's people who sit around arguing and debating what they believe, but it doesn't make any difference on the world around them. And the apostle Paul is saying, be careful, I challenged you when I came, to guard against those that stir up controversy. They get into arguments and debates, but those arguments and debates don't further the faith. Don't get caught up in that trap. Guard yourself against this. And so here here is this challenge on how you overcome this. And he, he, he continues in his first letter, chapter one, verse 15. He goes, this is a faithful saying. So here's what I want you to build your life on. Here's what it means to build your life on the good life. This is a faithful, dependable, stable saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. However, 
For this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for ever, everlasting life. And, and what's his point? Simply this, and I just, again, I'm just summarizing these long verses, and it would be this. The good news leads to good life. What the Apostle Paul just offered was a quick snapshot into the good news, into what he was building his life on, into what it, so I I said to you, the good life is found in living in the good news. Well, what is the good news? And so I said to you, the good news leads to the good life. Well, what is the good news? The Apostle Paul walked through that. And he starts by saying, here's the key. Jesus Christ came to rescue sinners of whom, and he raises his hand, he goes, of whom I am the worst. Like you want to put somebody on a pedestal of what not to do? I'm the worst one. And and so what's the point? Here's the good news. And and I hope you all listen to me carefully. Because I'm I'm giving you this because I want to make sure this, this is like a warning. This is like the, here's how you know whether somebody is teaching you right or wrong. The good news is this, that you and I cannot rescue ourselves. That you and I are innately going in the wrong direction. The Apostle Paul said, I am a sinner. We're all sinners of whom I am the worst. And so the key here is this, that we start from the perspective of you and I are deeply flawed. Not only are we deeply flawed, we are destroyed. We're wrecked. We're ruined. Our lives are built on the sands of sin and we're devastated. That's the bad news. The good news, and this, so this is the gospel, right? This is the good news. That you and I can't rescue ourselves. We're innately bad. Now, it doesn't make you feel good at first, but then when you hear the other part, you go, oh man, that's really encouraging. That God refused to leave us that way. So the bad news You and I are sinners. The good news, God refused to leave us that way, so what did he do? He came to earth. Jesus Christ came and became one of us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took our eternal judgment on himself. The shame and guilt that we deserve, he put on himself so that when he died, he paid the price for our eternal judgment. He died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sin and given new life. How do you receive new life? Because when you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit comes into your spirit. And when his spirit is in your spirit, you become new and you receive eternal life. So check this out, hold up. So this is the good news, that you and I are sinners far away from God, headed toward a life of ruin, building our lives on the sands of sin toward eternal judgment. Bad news. Good news, God loves us. God became one of us. Jesus died on the cross to rescue us from our sins. When he died, he paid the price for our sin, and then he rose from the dead to give us new life so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sin and given new life. Now, the reason why I took the time to walk through that was this, because the apostle Paul did, and then secondly, because that's the good news you and I need to hear and we need to live. I am a sinner. God loves me. God came to earth to rescue me. Jesus died on a cross for my sins and he rose from the dead to give me new life. Here's a challenge I would give you. Would you tell yourself that story every day? When you get up in the morning, remind yourself, I'm not good. I'm a sinner. I have, I'm I'm bent toward doing the wrong thing. But God loved me so much that he became one of us. 
He died on a cross to pay the price for my sins. He rose from the dead to give us victory over sin so that because I believe in Jesus by faith, I am forgiven and I'm given new life. Get used to telling yourself that over and over again because you know, I I don't know if this is even true or not. We gotta talk to somebody who deals with fraud. Uh, But the way I've heard it is the way you teach someone how to detect fraudulent money, counterfeits, is to get them so used to dealing with the, the real that they can detect the fake. I want you to get used to dealing with the real. What is the real good news? Get used to handling it every day. Read your Bible, study the good news of God's love. And now here's the key, but don't stop there. In fact, there's a lot of churches that can, and I wanna be careful, I'm gonna talk about other churches. It's so easy for us to talk about good news, but to never live in that good news. And so I wanna challenge you. This is what the Apostle Paul writes as he's kind of wrapping up this idea in his letter to Timothy. So let's jump in and just read this real quick. Now the purpose of the commandment is love. From a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith, from from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm, meaning they've got caught up in debates They've got caught up in controversies. They've got caught up in arguing about things that are not essential. And as a result, they don't even understand the very things they claim to know. And what's the point here? So I give you the big idea or another idea. It's this. Living the good news means loving God and loving others. In every, nearly every debate, and nearly every controversy that you see come up in politics, come up in our nation, come up in social issues. Here's how the, the one side will say, if you don't support us, then you hate us. And often the church gets painted as being full of hate mongers. And unfortunately, sometimes that's too true. Because the other side, they'll stand up and they'll say, if you don't hate them, then you're compromising the truth. But I don't know that either position is accurate. The truth is that we live out the command of God's love, which says this, yes, it's true that all of us are far worse than we could ever imagine. And yet we are far more loved than we could dare to dream. Now, when you understand that, when you get that, when you realize that in every issue you deal with in life, here is God's perspective. Here should be the church's perspective. Every person is far worse than they could ever realize and far more loved by God than they could dare to dream. And so what does that mean for us? If I am living out the good news of God's love, if I am living in the gospel, that means that my life is devoted to loving God and loving others. It doesn't mean that I compromise my standards. It doesn't mean that I have no convictions. It's that my convictions drive me to compassion. 
It's that I don't just know good news, I live in good news and I share that good news with others. I would challenge people who claim to know truth if they're not living out that truth or if they're living in it, but it drives them to be mean. It drives them to be harsh. It drives them to be cruel. It drives them to be judgmental. No, no, no. If I have the truth of the good news, it will drive me to compassion. It will drive me to tenderness. It'll drive me to generosity. It'll drive me to selflessness. It'll drive me to sacrifice. It'll drive me to service. It'll drive me to love others in a radical, life-changing way so that others can see in me that I am living in something that looks like good news. You don't have to hide from me. You don't have to stick your head in the sand. You can know me and know that my life is anchored and being built on good news. So let me, let me wrap this up. I mean, let me challenge you. What, what is your life being built on, anchored on? What news are you living right now? Maybe you're just swirling because of all the bad news around you and you're just hunting for good news anywhere. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but you still find yourself trapped in the controversies and the chaos around us. So let me, here's your takeaway. First, is your life being driven by sin like the apostle Paul lived? He said, yeah, that's me, all of us. And today you wanna know the good news of God's love. And if that's where you're at, then your commitment and your decision is to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you by faith and I wanna receive your forgiveness. I wanna receive your love. And if that's where you're at, then you take this moment right now and you can pray. And you can say, Jesus, I wanna give my life to you and I believe in you by faith. For others of you, you believe in Jesus, but again, you're, you're letting the chaos around you leave you swirling. And so can I, can I challenge you that if you believe in Jesus, are you living in that good news? Are you walking confidently in the courage that your life is anchored in good news, that God loves you, God is for you, and now your responsibility is to live that out? So would you take a moment? Would you pause? Would you pray? We believe that God's spirit is present here. God wants to speak to your spirit right now. For some, you're gonna make a commitment to believe in Jesus, anchor your life in good news. For others of you, you, you're li you have good news, but are you living in that good news? And is that good news leading you to loving God and loving others? Would you pause? Would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.